Welcome to Cookbook Club. We are home cooks from Portland, Oregon. Every month we choose a cookbook, make lots of recipes from it, and then get together to share some of the dishes we made. We talk about what worked, what didn't, and decide whether this is a cookbook we can't live without. I'm Sarah Gray. And I'm Renee Wilkinson. This week we're talking about Nothing Fancy by Allison Roman. Allison Roman is an American food writer, chef, and internet personality. She's worked for BuzzFeed Food, Bon Appetit, and the New York Times, which she left due to controversy. She's written four cookbooks, and Nothing Fancy was released in 2019. Nothing Fancy is a New York Times bestseller. This is a book for entertaining and filling your kitchen table with friends and family. Although, apparently, Allison Roman hates the term entertaining and prefers to say having people over. I'm just going to insert my eye roll right there. (laughs) That's a perfect example of the Allison Roman attitude. Yeah. So, Sarah, why don't you give us a quick rundown of what this book is all about? Yeah. So, it is sort of a book of all kinds of different recipes that are meant for sort of sharing with people, having people over, entertaining, however you want to say it. And I think the conceit is that they're fairly simple recipes, although I think we have some thoughts on that. There's sort of snacks and salads and sides and mains and desserts. So there's like all kinds of different recipes, but they all definitely are filled with this like sort of Allison Roman flair. Like I I would say that she has a very specific style of cooking and it is all through this whole book. She's very big on like seasoning, like very heavy seasoning, very heavy flavors, like and heavy is maybe not even the word because she does have a lot of like bright flavors, but just like big flavors, I would say. Mm hmm. And it sort of fits for me with her like big personality. And also this book visually reflects that as well. I think the photography in this book is very heavily saturated. You describe it as sort of like 1970s. Like these photos look very 1970s. Even like the tablescapes in them look kind of 1970s. It's just all like big, bold, like she doesn't shy away from anything. This book has been on my radar for a number of years. And I have checked it out from the library and I've had it on my cookbook shelf and I have never wanted to cook anything from it because of the photography. And then we decided to talk about it on the podcast and I started cooking from it. And like, I'm a total convert. I love this book. I love all the different like flavors and combinations and all of that. And I think the recipes are stellar as a whole, but I really had a lot of trouble getting into it because I don't love the style of it. To me, it feels like revisiting in my 20s. That's my big takeaway from the concept of the book. Like the way that it's written, you know, Alison Roman does have a very big personality, but the way that she approaches cooking, I think the 20-year-old me would really attach strongly to that. And like the 40-something me who has a family and competing priorities that I'm juggling in life really does not resonate with that anymore. Like, I find it very obnoxious. It's sort of like having a younger sister who's not just, like, younger, but, like, so much younger that it's you just really can't relate to them at all anymore. Like, it's too, like I don't want to go back to cooking in my 20s. Yeah. And when I look at this book, like, the cooking is definitely better than it was in my 20s. But that photography kind of paints that picture of, I mean, I was not in my 20s for the record in the 70s, but it is strongly of the 1970s. I mean, like the accessories, the photography style, the dishes in all these photos. Yeah. Making a martini bar like it just feels 
I don't mind like yeah. vintage things and retro things, but like I don't right. I don't need to be immersed in it as if it's still the 1970s. Right. But yeah, a lot of the recipes to me are kind of written that way. Like if you had a dinner party in your 20s and you worked in the service industry, so mm-hmm. you had access to like more innovative flavors and like yeah. more innovative ingredients. Yeah. That's how this book feels to me. Yeah. I don't think she was in her 20s when she wrote this book. I think she's in her early 30s because I believe she's around my age. She's like 38. And this book is only three years old. So I don't think she was in her 20s, but I definitely see that feeling of it, that it's like sort of like a young person's cookbook. (laughs) Well, it sort of to me speaks to this is going to sound harsh, but it speaks to me of the lack of maturity of Alison Roman in her voice. Like, I think she's very entertaining in some ways, like Mm -hmm. to watch her make Thanksgiving dinner when she was at the New York Times. We'll link to that in the show notes. But there's this whole video where you can like watch her make a very simple Thanksgiving dinner in one day. And she's a little bit maybe drunk by the end of it. But it's (laughs) it's very fun to watch. I believe that she wasn't in her 20s when she wrote this. But I think that Alison Roman could be in her 60s and still have written this. It just speaks to kind of this overall immaturity that I feel like she Uh has of sort of not being very inclusive sometimes and aware of like things other than her own self. Which is kind of what happened to her at the New York Times. Mm -hmm. Uh, There was some controversy mid-2020. She basically targeted both Chrissy Teigen and Marie Kondo in some comments in an interview that she made and sort of called them hypocrites for having like personal brands. And I think maybe didn't even realize that she was specifically targeting women of color Mm -hmm. with those comments. I don't think it really occurred to her is kind of how it seemed. Yeah, I've read the whole interview and you can kind of see her get close to and then step and then fully submerge in the big puddle that she created for herself. You know, like it's it's like watching a slow car accident. And I think it was because she was young and naive and kind of careless and, you know, has maybe gotten too much encouragement to just lean into her big personality and whatever. And yet you have to also be aware that with that comes responsibility. Especially when you're a public figure. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Giving an interview. But I will agree that most of the recipes, not all of them, but most of them from this book that I have made have been really good. Yeah. There's tons of recipes in here that I would never make because... They don't work for family cooking. They don't work for like any of the kind of parties that I would have over. Like I'm not going to have people over and open a bunch of tinned fish and like (laughs) call it good and eat them on saltine crackers. (laughs) But again, like in a different season of life, that would have worked really well for me. That would have totally worked. Yeah. I think you and I are on the same page that we really hate the photography in this book. I think you sort of hate the writing in this book. I think it's too much. Yeah. She's a little bit like flippant. Is that the right word? Yeah. About different things in the book where it can start to get kind of like offensive for people who are not maybe in the same season of life that she's in where it's like you know I get it like be loud and proud about your opinion and who you are but at the same time you're not writing this book just for you you're writing it so that it's approachable for lots of other people too yeah and there's a balance I think to just tone it down a little bit yeah yeah see I like the writing I had multiple times where I was working through this cookbook where I would read her like head notes at the top of the recipe where I would like be chuckling out loud because I I think the way she filters her personality in is very funny. Like there's this uh, recipe that I really like, which is the creamy goat cheese with lemony za'atar. Mm-hmm. And the whole head note is about like goat cheese isn't cool, but if you make it this way, then you can serve it and people will be like, oh, is this from the most recent like Mediterranean tapas place? And you can say, yes, it's called chivre. Uh-huh. And like, it's not cool, but I like it anyway. 
And just the way she writes it, I liked and I and it made me laugh. I think that Alison Roman is really good at branding and marketing. Mm-hmm. I think that's partly I think that's a large part of why she's super successful. Yeah. I think her recipes are really good, too. I'm yeah. not saying they're not. Right. But how many other good recipe writers are there out there that haven't figured out the marketing and branding the way that Alison Roman has? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, I mean, pitching that recipe the way you did with like goat cheese is not cool it's like well god i've never like thought about whether goat cheese is cool or not you know (laughs) yeah yeah Um, for sure but like reinvented this way and then it's super cool and it's like oh now i want to make that i don't know i mean (laughs) that kind of stuff to me gets really eye rolling yeah like it doesn't speak to you which is fine but i do think her descriptions of the food are great and that's why it's successful because she's like i'm going to tell you every single thing in this recipe like the recipe names are super long because you basically know what's in it you know what's descriptive what is crispy what is sizzling what you know right right she'll talk about things being like lip smacking and like I don't know, just eating with her fingers and like yeah. sopping up stuff. And it's like, OK, that's a lot it of does description. really paint a picture. Yeah, <laughs> she's good with the description for sure. So I want to hear which recipes you've tried from this book that you have liked. Well, you started talking about the snack section, yeah, yeah. which, again, for me, I just have to kind of like not think too much about the way that she describes things like her snacks. She's like, these are not appetizers. These are snacks. And it's like, OK, <laughs> I get it. I've made the um, breadsticks. Oh, yeah. Which I think were in the snacks. Yeah section and they again they're one of the most visually beautiful things from this book when I was so pretty yeah when I first flipped through it and so I really wanted to make that recipe they're so visually beautiful because they're the tiny skinny long ones that are very irregular and rustic like you would get when you were in Italy right and they have poppy seeds and black and white sesame seeds in them so Mm -hmm. they're visually very beautiful so like check check you know she's like going through the things that make a, a recipe a winner the recipe itself the way it's written didn't work well for me like the final product was mediocre okay but it could be awesome it would be awesome the next time I make it because I would use more of my cook's intuition instead mm-hmm. of trusting that Allison Roman you know she's usually a good recipe writer yeah. but I think there's some steps in that recipe that are not awesome okay the way that she has you kind of mix everything together it's like well you're using instant yeast I think that you should actually like put the yeast in some warm water first right. and let it get activated mm-hmm. and then mix the things in and it's a baking recipe there's There's no scaled measurements. So like the ratio wasn't right for me of like flour to water. And so I had to kind of like. Can be hard if you don't measure by weight. Yeah. Yeah. So that recipe as written is not awesome. But if you've made bread before, I think that you could fill in the blanks for yourself and make it a little bit better. Tell me about some of the other snacks that you've made. Yeah. So I really, really love the creamy goat cheese with lemony za'atar. Uh, Mm -hmm. It's so good. So it's basically like a marinated goat cheese. So you like crumble up some chevrolet, basically, and then you make this olive oil mixture. And usually I would just buy za'atar like pre-mixed, but Uh she has you make your own za'atar basically. So you like toast the sesame seeds, then you add the olive oil, then you add an entire lemon. So you just chop it up into little pieces and put the whole lemon in there. Like you just take the seeds out is all. So you've got the lemon pith and peel and everything. You've got thyme in there. You've got sumac. It's really, really delicious. Then you pour that over the goat cheese. And is this just like a regular little log of goat cheese sort yeah, of thing? Yeah, okay. like you crumble it up into like a dish. So, yeah. you know, it's like a little bit like in chunks. And then you can like scoop it up with a cracker or like um, I think it's really good with those pretzel chips. Oh, okay. I actually served this for an appetizer at Thanksgiving dinner this year. Did you serve it as an appetizer, though, or did you serve it as a snack? <laughs> <laughs> 
I didn't call it anything. So, you <laughs> just know. called it food. Yeah, exactly. That is like a ton of lemon for yeah. <clears throat> when it's little thing of goat lemon. cheese. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But I think it's awesome. Like, it's so, so good. And you like scoop it up and like the, it's like marinated in the olive oil. So like there's a lot of like olive oil and she's like, scoop it up, like wipe it on there with a knife, basically. I think that's really good. I've made that a couple of times. I also have tried the labna with sizzled scallions and chili. Mm-hmm. I think Alison Roman loves labna, which is like something she's really brought into my life because labna, I think, is like the superior dairy in my mind it is significantly better than either cream cheese or sour cream and it's Mm -hmm. kind of a marriage of the two it's actually essentially cheese made from kefir it's like cultured and fermented and delicious like the creamiest the tangiest so so good Mm -hmm. she loves it she calls for it a lot and yeah you do this like sizzled scallion so you're like cooking scallions and chili in olive oil mm-hmm. and then you like drizzle that on top of this like seasoned labna which is such a good dip like it, she calls it almost ranch okay um that's very good i've also made the garlic bread it's called a better garlic bread which is very intense <laughs> so you have to really be into like a very heavy garlic bread situation if you're going to like this you essentially cook like almost a whole head of garlic in olive oil. Mm -hmm. And then you add a can of anchovies Mm -hmm. and you add like a stick of butter. So you're making this sort of like paste, which is like mostly olive oil and butter, but it has this like umami of the anchovies Mm -hmm. and it also has the garlic in it. And then you like mash it all up and you just smear it on the bread and then you cook it. I didn't love it. I thought it was too heavy. Yeah, too oily. But I think it could be really good if that's like really what you were going for. That's part of my part that I've stumbled along with Alison Roman on through this book is that it's not that I am anti-fat, but I feel like when you use so much, it's so excessive that it starts to get into almost Paula Dean territory with me. <laughs> yeah. It's too much. Yeah. You know, a whole yeah. stick of butter plus all of that olive oil. I just think that's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot. It's, it's also lot expensive. Sure. And there are other recipes in here that also have a ton like there's a there's a recipe it's called frizzled chickpeas and onions with feta and oregano Uh she uses this term frizzled a lot frizzled essentially means fried in olive oil to her this recipe is like a pretty simple chickpea side dish but it calls for a half a cup of olive oil so you're essentially frying them in the olive oil and like I just could not bring myself to use that much olive oil. And as a result, the dish wasn't very good for me because Mm -hmm. I didn't, I mean, I didn't follow the thing, but I I had the same reaction, which is like half a cup of olive oil is too much for a side dish. Yeah. I have run into that a little bit with this roasted squash with yogurt and spiced buttered pistachios dish that I made of hers. Okay. And it was delicious, but it had almost an entire stick of butter. I think it had six tablespoons of butter. To me, there was really nothing like special about any of the method it was just the pairing of things yeah like you make you just take yogurt and you mix a little bit of lemon into it you make a bed of that on the platter Mm -hmm. you roast squash like olive oil salt pepper roast it then put that on the yogurt and then you brown butter and then you put in some very simple spices like cumin and turmeric which turmeric probably is almost just there for color Mm -hmm. and then the pistachios and then you pour that on top of the squash so yes the dish was good but i think that dish could have been good with like three to four tablespoons of butter and not six also the recipe itself is really more like assembling of components Mm -hmm. that together make a good dish yeah 
Sure. Have you made any of the salads? Oh, yeah, I did. And um, one of them that I made that I was really excited to try was the perfect herby salad. Yeah, I made that too. It's like dead simple. It's not even a recipe. It's really more of like a description. I mean, but that's also part of the branding of Alison Roman. And there are a number of recipes throughout this book that are like a no recipe recipe, basically. It's just like on the page, it says like the perfect herby salad. And then it's just a paragraph of saying like, this is kind of how I would do it. But I also feel like that could have been a recipe. Like it was part of the thing of being like, this is unfussy to be like, I have these things that are not even a recipe. They're so easy. (laughs) Yeah. Where like you could have just written that into a recipe and it would have been kind of more time efficient. Right. But yeah, it's like a 50-50 mix of lettuce with just different soft herbs. Yeah. I think that ratio maybe could be like two thirds like lettuce to fresh herbs and it would still be really good. My partner thought it was like too much on the herb. Okay. And then a fresh lemon, like half of a fresh lemon, flaky sea salt. That's really good. And a little bit of olive oil at the end. Yeah. I really loved it. What did you think? I didn't like it that much. I thought it was boring. What kind of herbs did you use out of curiosity? Um, I think I used cilantro and basil and mint. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. I used a mix of uh, parsley, Italian parsley yeah. and tarragon. Okay. And it was good. I think she's uh, very pro using the stems of your soft herbs, which I think is great because like why waste them? They have tons of flavor still. So I liked that component to the dish. But yeah, my partner thought it was too boring and too herby. Yeah. But I think you could just like adjust a little bit. You could mess with it for sure. I mean, it's a good idea to put soft herbs into your salad mix. Like I feel like that's always a way to like punch up a salad a little bit. But I think for me, it was the dressing situation that was like so boring. Oh, really? Because it was just like, Some lemon juice, some salt, some olive oil. I don't know. It just was like too simple for me. I liked how simple that was. But I also think that is the kind of recipe that would be great for someone who hasn't done a lot of entertaining before. Yes, I'm using the word entertaining. (laughs) But introducing people to the idea that when you have people over, not everything has to be a really complicated dish. In fact, it's good to have a really simple green salad if you're making something else that's really fancy and special. Right. And then it is okay to open as a snack some tinned fish and like Mm -hmm. have people pick at it with crackers. Like not everything has to be this elaborate thing. Right. Right. Yeah. And I appreciate that. Can I tell you about another salad that totally deserves a shout out? Yes. Okay. This to me is one of the best recipes in the book. The celery salad with cilantro and sesame. Okay. I know that probably sounds super boring. The picture looks a little bit boring because it's like lots of green. Yeah. But this to me is her genius, is taking things and knowing how to layer the flavor and build the flavor and use things that we often overlook like celery, which if you slice really thinly on a mandolin, which I would stop right there and say, is this unfancy and unfussy when you're using (laughs) a mandolin? I think you're starting to get into fancy territory there. Really thinly sliced um, celery with a bunch of fresh cilantro, some fish sauce, seasoned rice wine vinegar, lime juice, like just nice punchy flavors, some sesame oil. That was a fabulous salad. So this winter, I highly recommend that people try to find that recipe and cook from it because I think it adds a lot of like bright citrus umami crunchiness to something that is otherwise seems like a boring vegetable. That's great. That sounds really good. I made a salad, the summer squash salad with basil, parmesan, and toasted buckwheat. Mm -hmm. So you toasted some buckwheat groats and put them on the top so they were like just for a nice crunch. I thought it was really good. It was very thinly sliced zucchini, basically, is like the base of the salad. But you've got the herbs and the parmesan for the umami. 
I thought it was really good. The only caveat is that it doesn't keep well because the buckwheat goes soft as soon as you put it in the fridge. Okay. And I also made the smashed cucumbers with sizzled turmeric and garlic. Mm-hmm. Sizzled is similar to frizzled <laughs> in the world of Alice and Roman. Um, so you just like heated up some olive oil and you cooked turmeric and garlic, like both of them sliced, like fresh turmeric root and garlic. Mm-hmm. And it turned the oil this like bright turmeric color. And that was fun to like drizzle on the smashed cucumbers. So that was very good, I thought. It had a nice flavor profile. Let's take a quick break. And then when we come back, let's dig into the main section. Sounds and great. we also have dessert. <laughs> Dropcloth Samplers is a line of hand-drawn embroidery samplers, printed and ready for you to jump in and start stitching right away. Each pattern is hand-drawn by Rebecca Rinquist in her Portland, Oregon studio and printed for you to embroider with your own color and thread choices, like coloring book pages, but for embroidery. And with Rebecca's custom classes on Creative Bug, she's with you every step of the way. You can find Dropcloth Samplers on Instagram at Dropcloth or online at dropclothsamplers.com. I discovered once I did like sort of look past the photography and get into the recipes, I think they are all pretty simple. Like not none of them took me very long. I didn't feel like you had to find a lot of like specialty ingredients. I mean, she does call for a lot of butter and olive oil. She does. One thing I really like about the recipes is that she calls for whole chicken in most of her chicken recipes, which works for me because I get a meat CSA. So I'm only dealing in whole chickens mostly. I feel like it is actually like a pretty approachable book. But for me, I did just have to look past the photos because it just doesn't draw me in. You kind of set yourself up for being a hypocrite when you label something so dramatically as like unfussy. Like this is not entertaining. This is just throwing some things on a plate together because it's not to me. When I use a mandolin, I know that I'm making something special, even if I'm making that on a Tuesday night, even if it's like. Something from Joshua McFadden with his celery salad in six seasons or using multicolored sesame seeds from Yossi Arafi's sesame cake from Snacking Cakes. Right. Going those little extra steps to think about, like, what is this dish going to look like? And, like, what is the best way to get the crunch? To me, that's now I'm making something special. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think I just if she had called it like having people over, like I would have liked that better than (laughs) like unfussy. (laughs) Um, what about this sides uh, section? Have you made any of the sides? Well, I've made that roasted squash dish, which was good, although most of the things that I've made except for that celery salad, I would make again in a different way. I yeah. think that's the theme for me, right? Like yeah. the breadsticks I would have done differently next time. The same thing with the herby salad, same thing with the roasted squash. I made the spicy caramelized leeks with fresh lemon, which is another one of those recipes in here that looks really visually interesting when you see it on the page. Yeah. You slice them lengthwise in half, and then with half laying flat, you cut vertically on it, you know, about like two thirds of the leek so that you can kind of separate it. Okay. Does that make yeah, sense? Yeah, they almost, get kind of lacy almost, yeah, right? Yeah, almost yeah. like a little firecracker or yeah, something. Yeah. Um, and it was okay, but. It was super spicy, super spicy, Interesting, like really way more than I was expecting. So we were definitely able to eat it, but we were also a little bit confused about like, how should we be eating this? Like, it feels like you shouldn't be eating a roasted leek by itself. Like that's like eating like a roasted onion or something, which is good. But usually it's better when you pair it with something. Yeah. Yeah. So that's not one I would make again. Yeah. 
Okay. What about you? I made the buttered turmeric rice with crushed almonds and herbs. Uh-huh. It was really, really nice. The almonds with the rice were really, really good. And you kind of let it get like a little crispy on the bottom, mm. which was really nice. Um, so I thought that was delicious. I also mentioned before that I made the frizzled chickpeas and onions with feta and oregano. And that was just a straight up fail for me. It was not very good. I didn't use enough olive oil because apparently I needed to fry them and soak them in olive oil, Mm -hmm. which I just wasn't going to do. Yeah, because we're not made out of money. Right. (laughs) Right. And then there's like a main section, which has a lot of options on it. You know, there's within that section, there's a meat section, a fish section, a pasta section. What are some of the mains that you've like? I've got a few that are really great. So she has a lasagna in here. It's just called A Very Good Lasagna, which reminds me of that Julia Tertian book with the nice lasagna. Yeah. So it's like you, you can make the nice lasagna or the good lasagna. <laughs> um, but hers is called A Very Good Lasagna, and it is quite good. I thought it was really tasty. Um, I made it for a group. It went over great. I thought it was delicious. There's also a really beautiful dish. It's called a one-pot chicken with dates and caramelized lemon. I loved that recipe. It was so great. So you're basically roasting a whole chicken in a Dutch oven, and you put in there like shallots, lemons, and... Did you already say dates? Dates. Yeah. Yeah. Dates is the other thing. And actually, the first time I made it, I was not paying close enough attention and I misread the recipe. Oh. (laughs) And I didn't put the thing in the oven. I just left it on the stovetop the whole time. Oh, really? I just missed that instruction and I burned the shit out of the bottom of my Dutch oven. Like it had lemon marks on it that I had to like scrub out. I really, really wrecked it. The chicken was actually not bad, but like none of the other stuff came out. So I had to then have a redo to do it again because in the picture, it's really beautiful. Yeah. Between the like sort of purpley shallots and the dates and the lemons and like just the the combination of like the sweet of the dates with the tart of the lemon. Mm-hmm. I thought it was phenomenal. I really liked that recipe a lot. This is a great dish to have for any occasion. I think you could have it on a weeknight, which my family did, and it was yeah. delicious and Us fabulous. Too. You could also easily make it for company coming over because it also looks beautiful presentation-wise. Yeah, It's not a fast dish necessarily, right. but you're also cooking a whole chicken. Yeah. You and know? a lot of it is hands-off time because yeah. it goes into the oven. This recipe gets to the genius of Alison Roman that is she understands how to layer flavors and make them really bold. Sometimes I think she goes too far, but yeah. in this recipe... It's pretty perfect. Also, she's not having you add excess amounts of fat because the way that you prepare the chicken, you brown it and then you cook the other things in that chicken fat. So you're kind of, you know, there's like a closed loop there, which I think is really great. Yeah. And who would have thought about putting dates in chicken? Like I, that's not something that would occur to me on my own. It is so tasty. It did add like a nice sort of silky sweetness to this recipe without it being overly sweet because you have the lemon in there to make it punchy. And then I've made two of the salmon recipes. One I loved and one I was not such a fan of, but I understand like how some people could like it. So the one that I loved is called the buttered salmon with red onion and dill. Mm -hmm. Again, tons of butter and olive oil, but you do like a cooked onion mixture that goes on top of the salmon when you roast it. And then you do a raw onion mixture that goes on top of that. And that just something about like the rich cooked onions with the like crunchy raw onions and this denseness of the salmon was phenomenal. 
It also has capers and dill. So you've got this red onion thing happening, capers, dill, and lemon, mm-hmm. which to me really evokes the flavors of like a lox bagel. I just thought this was phenomenal. My husband said it was the best preparation of salmon we had ever had. It was so, so good. And then the other one is called salmon with soy and citrusy charred scallions. And it has, you make like a drizzling sauce for the salmon in that one. And it has a lot of soy sauce and citrus. And I thought it was too salty. Like it was too bold. I thought it totally overpowered the salmon. Do you want to talk about dessert? Yeah, I want to talk about dessert. Is there a time when I don't want to talk about dessert? I'm not aware of it. I am not sure that desserts are where Allison Roman's strength is. Okay. All right. I made the lemony turmeric tea cake, which I know you made also. I've made that before. And it's been on my, it's on the New York Times also. And it's been in my like recipe box to try for a couple years now. I thought it was fine. Yeah. It, it was not worth a repeat. Yeah. Uh, the turmeric, to me, that flavor is totally undetectable. It's just to make it like yeah. super bright yellow. I thought it was fine <clears throat> to eat and very beautiful to look at. Yeah. And the like sliced lemons on the top, which mm-hmm. makes it look really beautiful. But are it's very hard to slice. Impossible to eat. <laughs> yeah. You have to peel yeah. them off. Yeah. yeah. To slice yeah. it. Because or you try to cut through them and they just shred all over the place. Right. Because yeah. the peel on it is right. so thick and right. tough after being baked for 50 minutes. Yeah. 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 So that is not one that I would make again. It wasn't like god awful, but it wasn't right. great. And then I also made the blackberry cornmeal cake. Okay. Which I don't know why Allison Roman likes making baked goods with medium cornmeal. Oh, yeah. But it is very coarse. Coarse. It never softens enough. Yeah. Because she has a recipe in the New York Times that I've tried that's like a blueberry cornmeal tart. Yeah. I like that tart. Yeah. I don't with the medium cornmeal. But in this cookbook, she specifically says medium. So I was like, I'm going for it. Maybe she likes that crunch. But it feels like you're eating big chunks of like sand or gravel. (laughs) I also felt like it was not dessert level like she she said in the description this is not super sweet this Mm -hmm. might be more like a snacking cake yeah I would almost put it in like a breakfast category yeah Yeah. I feel like she is one of those people who is not into like a super sweet thing yeah Um, and in fact I believe she's releasing a new cookbook this year that's just like a sweets cookbook but they're like not so sweet sweets or something Mm -hmm. that might be what it's called I can't remember So I also made, I made her pie crust, which is in both of her books. She calls it the only pie crust, um, which was fine. I didn't think it was any better than my go-to America's Test Kitchen all butter crust. She calls for you to make it by hand. I was not doing that. I make pie crusts in the food processor. It's way easier. Mm -hmm. Um, So I just followed her ratios and I made it in the food processor. It was fine. And then we made this casual apple tart with caramelized buttermilk, which I thought was fine. I mean, you slice the apples really thin and you like shingle them. So they're very pretty. That doesn't sound very casual, by the way. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. You did it like on a sheet pan, so it was like kind of in a square. Okay. It didn't honestly take very long. And then you do this caramelized buttermilk. So you brush the whole top of it with buttermilk. Uh-huh. And then it kind of caramelizes as you're cooking it, which okay. I thought was fine. It was definitely a different flavor, but I didn't think it was like phenomenal. Okay. Yeah. So I thought that was okay, not great. And also my apples got like a little mushy for how thinly she wanted you to cut them and how long she wanted you to cook them. Okay. So I felt like it was very pretty before it went in the oven and it was a little mushy when it came out. But the thing I really liked from the dessert section is the sweet and salty cream cheese tart. So it's basically a cheesecake. I was just going to say, how is that different than a cheesecake? Yeah, it's a cheesecake. She says you can make it instead of using cream cheese, you can just use labna. Huh. which I haven't done, but I'd really like to. It's, it's sweet, but it's not that sweet. Mm-hmm. And she also 
You can make the crust in it, she says, either with Nilla wafers or Ritz crackers, which is very different. Like those two things are very different. Yeah. I made it with Ritz crackers and I wouldn't do that again. Okay. I think it needed a sweeter crust Uh because the filling is tart. It's not super sweetened. And so I felt like it needed a a more cookie-ish crust. And Mm -hmm. also the the Ritz cracker crust did not hold together. You know, I feel like they aren't dense enough, like a Uh graham cracker, to hold together in a crust. So it just kind of flaked out all over the place when we were serving it. But I did think that that, as a cheesecake goes, like, I thought it was really good. Okay. Yeah. I've had a cheesecake before with, like, a pretzel crust. Oh, yeah. And it's, I think that worked because there was, like, a sweet fruit topping, Sure. you know? Yeah. So the combination worked of, like, tangy, salty, sweet. It was very, very smooth, which I really liked. That sounds good. I'd make it again, and I'd really like to try it with just Labna, because I love Labna, and I love that Alison Roman brought Labna into my life. Uh And I'm curious, you know, how it would be different. She says you can make it with just Labna and not cream cheese, and it will be, like, perfectly tart and even more, like, buttery smooth. Let's take a step back from the recipes, then, because we just covered, like, a bazillion of them, which is, I think, gives people pretty good sense for, like, what kind of flavors they're going to find in this book. But when would you cook from this book? I think that these recipes are simple enough and take a short enough time that it works on a weeknight for me. Like I could make that salmon recipe, for instance, or that whole chicken, that roasted chicken with the dates. I could make that on a weeknight pretty easily. Mm-hmm. It does seem like she has a good balance of seasonality. Like I wouldn't attempt to make that summer squash dish that you were talking about unless it was in the summer. And I think some of the ones that are like no recipe recipes might be more conducive to summer cooking. Sure. But there's definitely an, a lot of heaviness here and a lot of things that you could pick out and use for the holidays, mm-hmm. which is partly why I wanted to talk about this book ahead of the holidays this December because, you know, if you're looking for a way to simplify the way that you're going to do a holiday meal, I think that you could pick out a lot of things from here. Like you could make the salmon recipe that you were talking about as your main dish for the holiday. Yeah, that's true. That would be good. And and this is the time of year where we tend to entertain and to have people over and to, you know, have people to feed. Um, And I like, I mean, this, that snack section is quite, like, there's a lot of snacks in there. So, If you're doing appetizers or a holiday party or something like this would be a good place to find some bold, like yummy things. to Uh Who do you think this book is a good fit for? Young people. (laughs) Yeah, it's probably not a super great family cookbook on the whole because a lot of things are mixed together. It's a lot of really bold flavors that kids might not be into, but never say never. I mean, I, I feel like I've made some of these things for my family that they really liked. So yeah, I would say, though, that 70 percent of the recipes in here are things that I would never attempt to make for my family because yeah. of what you're talking about. Like, yeah. Too many things that are all mixed together that like, you know, kids are just not going to be super pumped about yeah. eating. So yeah. if they were like a little bit separate, maybe. But yeah. the recipe is really designed to put it together and right. it's hard to break it apart. Yeah, that's very true. That's like very the roasted true. squash, for example, like I kept the yogurt thing separate yeah. and then we all ate the roasted squash. But it's not worth it for me to make that recipe just for my partner and right. I to have it. Right. That makes sense. I would agree with you. I think someone who's like new to entertaining or yeah. someone who's in their 20s or 30s, someone who does not have children. Honestly, like if you didn't have children and you were in your like 50s and 60s, I don't think this is the book for you either, because I think the tone of the book is going to turn you off because you're going to be flipping through this and being like, what is all this 70s stuff? And like, right. It just is too millennial vibes, I think. Millennial vibes is really the, the thing. Yeah. Although I will say, I think... 
that this book does itself a disservice by presenting itself that way because it is hiding a lot of really great recipes in it. And so I think if you can see past the millennial vibes, there's some like really good stuff in here. I suspect that Alison Roman will revisit this book 10 years from now and maybe wish that she had done things a little bit differently yeah. in it. And then in 20 years from now, I think she's going to be like, ugh, you know. <laughs> So I'm I am excited to see what Allison Roman does in 10 years. Yeah. And like I hope that she does tone it back a little bit. Like you can still be you but in a way that is more like inclusive. Sure. See the internet for details. <laughs> <laughs> So the big question, does this book deserve a spot on your cookbook shelf? Yeah, I'm keeping it. How about you? Mine is going back to the library. Going back. Well. It's not that everything I made, there were some gems in here, but it is not. One that I ever am really excited about opening. Okay. Fair enough. (laughs) I'm going to keep it. I do really like it. And in fact... I like it so much that I went ahead and I bought her other one, Dining In, which oh, okay. I have not cooked anything from yet, but I will because I like the way she puts flavors together. And I think we're talking about doing that for Cookbook Club sometime soon. Yeah. So soon yeah. meaning like in the next in year. In the next year. Yeah. Yep. So you so may be, be interesting. You may get a return of Allison Roman from yeah. our podcast at some point. For sure. Huge thanks to Bowdoin Babe and Bookaholic13 for their awesome five-star reviews. You guys, we appreciate it so much. Sarah, like, calls me when we get a review and we both do a happy dance together. We really, really do. It makes us really happy. We sure hope that you guys will join us next time when we're going to be cooking from Supernatural Every Day by Heidi Swanson. Sarah, why did we pick this book? Well, it's a really interesting book. Heidi Swanson has been a cookbook club favorite for a long time through her blog and her books as well. And it's a really different style than what we talked about today. You know, it's kind of whole natural foods, vegetarian, with kind of, I would say, California vibes. We'll have a lot to talk about in that one. (laughs) For sure. And cook along with us between now and then. Just tag us on Instagram at Cookbook Club Show or send us a voice memo or a comment at cookbookclubshow at gmail.com. You can find us online at cookbookclub.show. Remember to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss the next one. And leaving us a review really helps other home cooks find us too. We'll see you next time. Bye.